Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Richard Gottlieber. And I'm Brad Garropy. This week, we're going to be talking about how and when to learn new things. So, Richard, let me start off by posing you a question. Are you learning anything new right now? I actually am. I have gotten bitten by the crypto bug. And not to be a crypto bro, crypt bro, I don't know, but... I'm more interested in the distributed applications side of things than coins, right? So I'm not looking to be a coin day trader and make my millions, unfortunately. That boat probably sailed when I didn't buy Bitcoin, you know, 10 years ago. But distributed applications are something that like has really caught my interest just lately. And this topic is definitely timely because I'm just getting into learning something that is both similar to stuff I've done in the past and also completely new. Sweet. That that actually sounds really interesting. We'll have to do an episode here in the future where you teach me something about that space because I'm very clueless. And me now, too, right? I'm now. actually, yeah, <laughs> it always starts off like that. Uh, now, I'm actually on the flip side where I'm actually not learning anything new at all right now. And I think that says something where you don't have to be learning literally all the time you go through periods where you learn something new, you ramp on something, and then you kind of uh, back off, solidify those skills, and then look for your next opportunities. So like I how often do you think you learn stuff? I yeah? would challenge that. When you say you're not learning anything new right now, I think what you mean is the the learning graph, if you will, is a more level slope at the moment, but it's still going up and to the right. I don't think in this space that you can ever not be learning something new, uh, but it may not be like the intense learning something new, right? We're, we're at the, you're always burning calories, Brad. It's just, you're not doing a Murph right now. I feel you. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. You know, I'm not actively trying to learn about like PHP, although I am getting more exposure to it on a daily basis. So yeah, it's eking up into the right a little bit. Like there is new things that I'm absorbing over time just by working in software. But no, I, I don't have any big like learning goals at the moment. Yeah, and but, like that's totally fine too, right? Like you don't always have to be bouncing from like one topic to the next, like always trying to master something continuously. You can yeah. have those times where you're kind of letting the knowledge cement, letting your experience cement and figuring out like, what do I do next? What do I go to from here? What's new? Like, what, what do I want to learn about? It may not even be something new. Maybe you decide, hey, financial institutions have a lot of COBOL and there's not a lot of COBOL programmers out there. I'm going to learn COBOL. It doesn't have to be a new language, but it's new to you. Yeah. But let's put COBOL aside because we don't talk about that anymore. And how do you like, so Brad, you, you said that you are not currently seeking something new to learn about. When that time comes, like, how do you pick what to learn? When do you decide that you need to learn something new? Yeah, I, I typically, like, the way I approach this is it's when I want to accomplish something. And I want to accomplish either faster, better, or it's a new space. Like, for instance, if I want to build an application that supports multiple users, well, I'm going to have to know about authentication. And maybe that's the perfect time to learn about either authentication in general or a new authentication platform. And so what, I, what I'm trying to say here is that I learn something new 
when I have an application for it. And when I see an opportunity to reach for, whether it be a new tool in an area I already know, or even if it's an unknown area and I need to dig into that. And so to me, it's almost like a project by project basis where that's when I get to pick something new off the tool shelf. What about you? You feel the same way? So I, I often don't think about learning things, new things in that kind of framework. I more find something that's interesting and then go learn about it. But I will say, kind of reflecting on that in comparison to what you just described, you immediately have a use case to start like implementing whatever you're learning. And I think that could be super beneficial for understanding and actually getting that learning, like kind of like, you know, distilled and understanding things and seeing how they work a little bit more because you have a problem to solve. And so you're trying to find the tool to solve that problem. And then you can implement that tool like as soon as you find it, right? And start to understand how that tool works. Whereas, I don't know, like using the tool analogy, I walk down the hardware aisle in Home Depot and I'm like, hmm, what is this thing? This is cool. It's like a hatchet and a hammer had a baby. What did I do with this? And then I have to figure out what I'm going to do with it first. So I think that's yeah, kind of I, a, a, a good way to approach it, right? Like if you have a problem, like a known use case that you want to solve, finding a new tool to solve that problem gives you something to do with the tool so that you can learn about it while you're doing. Yeah. And I think what that says is that just learning conceptually about something won't cement that knowledge in your brain. You have to have an actual application of that knowledge to, to more fully understand that domain. So practically speaking, that means while you're learning about a language or a tool, make sure you're finding examples or little homework problems or little, little projects that you can build with it to cement that knowledge. Because if you don't, if you don't get your hands dirty in that new thing that you're learning, it's going to leave your brain as soon as you move on to the next topic. Absolutely. Yeah. There's that, that application piece that is definitely key to ensuring you understand something. So I'm betting that our approach to learning things, given the reason we learn, like choose to learn new topics is so different. I'm, I'm betting that our approach to learning about these new topics is probably going to be different too. So you decided you wanted to learn about widget plus JS which is a, you know, new framework that everybody's talking about. And what do you do, Brad? Like, how do you, how do you go learn about that? It's the, the newest thing that will enable you to have, you know, what buzzwords can I use here? Distributed uh, users logged in with serverless backends to your front end. Yeah. So this <laughs> yeah. new thing, right? And it solves all the problems that you need to solve. How do you, how do you learn about it? Yeah. The way I like to start learning, first of all, you have to acknowledge that there's lots of different mediums people like to learn from. It could be written or it could be video. It could be physical books, courses, workshops, live streams, tons of stuff. But the way I like to start personally is to wrap my head around the concept first. And I like to do that through video because I find that listening to somebody talk kind of colloquially is, is more understandable to me. And trying to read black and white words on a page that make me think like, oh, I don't know if I quite get it. When somebody just kind of explains it vocally, I feel like they're more, they're more apt to use like metaphors or relate it to things you already know. And it just, I just absorb it quicker. So that's my first step is to understand theoretically through video. Then I move on to some kind of tutorial. 
could be written, could be video, but now it's more of like a practical application of the thing that I just understood theoretically. When you do a tutorial, how do you approach those? And what I mean is, do you just follow along or what, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give like some great examples, right? Like, uh, West boss has courses on Gatsby out, right? And let's say you want to, want to follow that tutorial and learn Gatsby. Well, his tutorial, I think his last one was about like a pizza ordering shop in Gatsby. I'm going to follow that, but I'm going to change something about it. Whether that be like, let's not make it pizzas. Let's make it sandwiches. Just, just. 10% different, just enough so that you're thinking about what you're doing instead of blatantly copying word for word line by line. That that 10% extra mental effort is going to force you to really hone in and focus on what you're typing instead of just checking out and literally just typing what you see on the screen. Yeah, and that's a great way to ensure that you actually understand what's happening too because then you have to know which pieces of your version are different than the example. I think that's kind of why I really prefer doing something like a video course like that over a tutorial on a website because I find that I am exceptionally lazy when I can be. And so I will copy and paste. Oh, and this is like, it's one of those things where I'm like, this is really dumb to just like literally retype the thing that's right over there that I could just highlight and paste into my code editor. Why am I retyping this? And I'm copying and pasting. Hey, Hey, it works. And yeah. you don't get that big benefit in the video. Like you have to at least like, I don't know. We're not there yet that you can copy and paste out of a video. I'm sure that's coming with like some sort of crazy OCR thing where you can like pause the video and highlight and copy and paste, but we're not quite there yet. And that definitely helps as well. Not just the changing, but the actually doing it yourself. Another thing that I really like about video courses is that you can still be lazy in a sense because they always provide starter files. So if you're on lesson three, they're going to provide you with the complete files for lesson two as a starter for lesson three. So you get to pick up right where you need to pick up. You don't necessarily have to, to go all the way back. At least that's how West Boss and Scott Talinsky like to do things. Yeah, I think that's very fairly common too. And that can be said too, like many different things, like most books these days will have a GitHub repo with the examples in them and stuff like that. So like that's definitely good too. Cause that gives you a known starting place, right? Like if for some reason you turned your example, I think it was, you said pizza website into some sort of horrific monstrosity that's no longer working. You can, instead of spending hours trying to figure out where you went wrong, be like, okay, we're back to a pizza site. Yeah. Now let me tell you another strategy I've tried with uh, video courses that has kind of backfired in some situations. One of the choices that I made was to use the latest version of a framework instead of the version that the course was locked to. That got me into some big trouble as I went through the course. So do that kind of thing at your own risk because you you do you will deviate from what the course creator has intended, especially if it's across major versions of, of that thing. Another thing that I, I might suggest doing is use a different library or like side tool. Like for instance, in West Boss's Gatsby course, if he wanted to use, you know, Auth0 for authentication and you want to use maybe Netlify identity for authentication, you know, maybe pick and choose a different tool to force you to focus in a little bit more in that area. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, like 
when you make this change depends on like where you're at in your learning journey, right? There's like, it's fantastic to just follow along and do everything exactly the same. But then once you understand, like have like a, a base understanding, then you can go back and be like, okay, cool. We used, you know, Auth0 to do this. Let's go ahead and use another authentication tool this time and like, or change it out, right? Because that's, that too is a massively important skill set. The ability to like, take one implementation out and put in a different one, right? Because like, you know, I, I've been at companies where they're like, hey, we're using Auth0 six months later. Okay, our contract with Auth0 uh, didn't go through the renewal process that we wanted. So now we're using some other company, right? The worst was when we were on Google Cloud and we moved to Amazon Web Services because boy, howdy, are those <laughs> things different. Yeah, for sure. So that so, kind of like, you know, refactoring piece is also like, a really good skill set to have. And then that also will ensure that you understand what's going on. And I think that's kind of, for most use cases, probably a more applicable skill set to be able to dive into a code base and change things and understand what's happening to change them. Because most of the time, you're not just like in a greenfield, like brand new product where you're like, okay, so first thing we got to do is NPM init. Right, like realistically, Brad, when was the last time at work that you did something from absolute scratch where there was nothing existing? Yeah, probably six months ago at least. Yeah, I mean, it's yep. just it doesn't happen very often. So, yeah. So we talked about like video courses and video tutorials, things like that. When do you reach for things like blog posts or written tutorials or even documentation? Yeah, so my normal path, I guess, is I kind of start with the the blog posts and the written tutorials as because one, they're free, two, they're widely available, and if I don't like one, I can easily go to another one often, like depending on what it is, right? If it's like something ridiculously cutting edge, like when Svelte Kit was first coming out, there wasn't a whole lot of content out there. And so like it, like that kind of depends, right? If it's something like React, if you were trying to pick up React, there is a ridiculous amount of content available and, you know, it's like the whatever Caesar's Palace buffet of choices and you can pick what you want. So, like, I would start with, like, blogs, you know, that kind of thing, like, just kind of online tutorials written out to kind of dip my toes in the water, see, is this something I want to get into? From there, recently, I've really enjoyed video courses. Frontend Masters is fantastic. Like, when I was looking at Svelte, I joined Frontend Masters. I watched a Svelte tutorial from Rich Harris, like go straight to the, you know, the guy who created the whole framework. It was fantastic. I really enjoy those because they do. They talk through everything like you're saying, you know, they kind of give, as they're doing stuff, they talk about little issues that they run into. They do that debugging live sometimes, which is fantastic because then you start to see what to look for when things go wrong because inevitably they will. And if you're on like a blog post, those things are so well curated that like most time people are not going to put the errors into a blog post, kind of walking you through how to set something right. up, right? So when you run into that error, good luck. Like, hope you know what you're doing. So I really like videos for that. I recently, like I mentioned, like the distributed applications is something I'm interested in. I bought a bunch of books. So uh, thinking about like my journey through technology, I used to buy a lot of books. I feel like we've gotten to this space with web development where things were churning so fast that it felt dumb to buy something in print. Mm -hmm. Like at least personally to me, that's how it felt. 
But I think part of that is just kind of buying into the hype of constantly being on the cutting edge, right? If you went out and bought a book about pick your industry standard framework right now, React, Vue, Angular, whatever you want, it may not be the absolute most current version of that framework in that book, but 90 plus percent of the information covered is going to be applicable. And if you understand those concepts well, you will understand how to use that framework very well, right? And books kind of, for me personally, force me to like slow down and understand things a little bit better. And there's something about spending time, not staring at the screen, reading the book, and then transcribing that into an editor as you're following along with the examples. Yeah. That is different in my mind. And I think I really like that. And I think that, I don't know, I, I kind of, I don't know, this is a very like apt timing, right? Like getting these books, I spent some time thinking about the fact that I used to spend a lot of time and really understand frameworks well. Recently, I've just been kind of churning through stuff and like, it's fine. I'm at a different place in my career. I get it. But I don't feel like I have the depth of knowledge about things recently that I used to have. And that may be just because of the churn of technology lately, right? Like we had Webpack, now we have Vite, right? You know, we we were like React or Vue and now we're in Svelte world and like all these things change so quickly that keeping up with them, like you don't really, you know, if you're just not using them day to day, you're just kind of skipping from like one hotness to the next and you don't really go deep. And so, I don't know, I'm currently leaning towards books and physical books too. Like I debated for a long time the online version versus the physical version, right? Like, and yeah, I'm going for dead trees. Like, I don't know what to say. It's weird being in tech going for dead trees, but here I am. I don't know. What about you? I feel like I've been talking a long time. No, I'm with you. I, 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 I won't ever buy a physical book for tech stuff, but I will say as of late, I've read two books and I'm continuing to read more. And they're not about tech stuff. They're more about like building better habits or, you know, motivational type stuff. But yeah, the feeling of holding something physical and reading it and not staring at a screen and still getting value out of it is so awesome. Okay, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about this is this is like a big meaty section of the podcast. Let's talk about like some specific resources that we use, whether that be what blogs do you visit or uh, what course creators or video platforms that you use as great references or starting points to learn new things. Like this is, let's just rattle off some links here. Yeah. So I think it depends on like what area of learning about the new topic you're talking about, right? The learn with Jason live stream is a fantastic resource for that toe dip in the water, right? Because literally the whole premise of that show is he has somebody on to teach him about something in about an hour, right? Like maybe a little longer, but like, you know, about an hour, you get a good idea of like an introduction to a topic and you can follow along if you want. You don't have to. They do a great job of talking through everything. And like Jason is just a fantastic like educator via learning. I don't know what to call it. Like he does a good job of like explaining things as he's learning them, which is awesome. So like th that kind of stuff, like live streams like that, I think are great for the initial introduction and it's free right and I, yeah. I mean obviously another great understated free resource is youtube you can find a targeted video for the topic that you're looking for that's typically free and short and i think that's that's probably what you should start with first is something free something non-committal 
something that you can just see. Is this the right thing for me to learn next? Am I going to like this? Is this the right tool for the job? Yeah. And I think that the same can be said for things like various blogs. I know you, you wanted to like kind of go through a list of blogs or live streams. And I don't know, I don't know that I have that as far as it's very dependent upon the actual topic. It right? is. Like yeah. the ones that I, I can think of, like learn with Jason is a fantastic one because it is ridiculously broad in the type of topics that it covers. Right. If, yeah. if you want to, it's, it's just like, like syntax, the podcast is very broad. Scott and Wes, like the, the platforms they have with their video tutorials are also very good. Uh, Wes's is more kind of focused in on like the React space and Node, like on the back end, whereas Scott is is kind of a more broad thing. And I think that just kind of goes to, to the model that they have, right? So like Wes is more of a kind of self-contained course, whereas Scott is a, every month it's a new topic and they don't necessarily go as deep, but you get more content like continuously. It's just kind of a different model. Now, I find myself on a few different websites constantly. Like, for instance, Josh Komau. Anytime I want to learn something about CSS or, you know, learn how to implement a feature on a website that involves a bit of CSS that I may not understand. His website has such good insights on styling that I constantly find myself there to learn about specific topics. Another one is Flavio Copes. Uh, it's got like kind of like a funny little avatar, but anytime I'm doing something in JavaScript that I might not know how to do, and I just Google like, how do I do X, Y, or Z in JavaScript, that website pops up and it's really, really handy for a very learning, very small scale things. Yeah. That dude is prolific too, man. He, he, I think he posts every single day. It's wild. It's amazing. And I also think that, that he was ahead of the, uh, NFT bandwagon there with his little avatar because it looks like one of those crypto punks, but for sure. You know. uh, I also like to call out CSS tricks. Just if you kind of follow along there, they do really good introductions to specific topics. They may not well, and they have articles where they go really deep too. So it, you just yeah. have to pay attention and good things will come out of that website for sure. Yeah. And they like, don't be fooled by the name CSS tricks. The trick is it's not just about CSS. That website yeah. covers all sorts of stuff. Like I've seen articles on there about like how to be a good engineering manager. So, you know, it, it definitely has a breadth of stuff on there. I think, I don't know, my mind, when you ask the question, I'm like, you know, CSS tricks, fantastic website. I go there all the time. I don't know that I could say like, you know, oh yes, I visit CSS tricks to learn about, you know, whatever, like, regularly it's more of a yeah there's a collection of websites that i know are trusted resources dependent upon the topic okay then maybe things that are more like uh course platforms like egghead udemy yes front-end masters right the places that that say hey the goal of this site is to produce courses and courses only educational material yeah i will say like egghead front-end masters those are both fantastic resources places like udemy it's hit or miss Mm -hmm. There are some fantastic Udemy courses out there. There are some real stinkers too. And, and I think it just comes from the fact that like, I don't know, Udemy courses, they're always like $200, except for when you use a 99% off coupon, which is always available. Like don't ever pay full price for a Udemy course. And I think that's part of why there are some stinkers out there because like people are like, oh, nine bucks. Sure. Why not? I'll just throw nine bucks. That's fine. Oh, it's no good. Okay. I'll just get a different one. Right. And I, I kind of think that's part of, you need to be careful there. Like YouTube, there I, is a lot of fantastic resources on YouTube as well. 
sometimes they're hard to find. Like I remember when I was looking at Svelte and data visualization, there's a guy, I, we can uh, look up his course. I can put it in the show notes, but his videos had like less than a hundred views and they were fantastic. Like they walked you through everything about like data visualization and getting like SVGs to make the charts and stuff like that, like programmatically creating SVGs to represent the data. And like, you know, this guy has like hardly any views and the content was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that just speaks to, you have to find the teacher that resonates with you or, you know, the writer or the, the guy behind the camera. Like you just have to resonate with the way that they explain things and their point of view on how they teach topics. And if you can do that, stick with that teacher. Hopefully they teach a, a broad range of subjects, right? Like if that's the case, like Scott Delinsky, his frame of mind works really well for me. And I'm just lucky because he's constantly talking about the next cool thing that I know I'm going to enjoy the teacher and the content. Yeah. So we're kind of talking about, you know, how to learn things. Obviously we're in this tutorial space, right? Eventually you'll need to get out of the tutorial space. So oftentimes the best way to do that, like you kind of have this built in with when you go looking for a project is you have something you're going to use it on, right? So you need to take the directions and branch out and start creating something on your own, right? So like that's kind of like the next step, right? How do you get out of tutorials and actually implement something? If you have that from the get-go, like you had mentioned, that makes that step really easy because you already have something you're trying to get done. I sometimes struggle with this because, you know, I'm normally am like, oh, this is a cool tool. Let me learn about it. And then, oh, how can I actually use this? Luckily, I don't actually do this with my actual tools in the garage because, man, that could get expensive fast. <laughs> but I could definitely see that being a problem. So once you kind of get out of that space, like I, I think, too, the, the other thing to remember is that you mentioned you need to find somebody who like fits your style of like learning and like you enjoy the way that they present content. And that's a very personal thing. So something to keep in mind is that even if somebody's already talked about a topic, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it too. Right. And like one of the best ways to learn something where you really understand it is to teach it. Right. Whether that's like, you know, write a blog post about it make a screencast, like make a video, do a presentation at work about something that's applicable to your workplace, right? Just share it with a friend. You know, you'd mentioned that you wanted to learn more about like, you know, blockchain type stuff and crypto. Like we'll talk about that in probably a future episode, but if not, like you and I'll talk about that. That'll help me. Like it sounds like I'm helping you learn something, but it also helps me learn because I have to know what the heck I'm actually talking about to teach you. And like, as it's going along, you're going to ask a question that I'm not going to know the answer to hundred percent. And so I'll figure out that and it'll submit my learning as well. So like, that's kind of like the flip side, right? Like teaching is learning, even if that sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost selfish in a way you're, you're sure you're teaching to help somebody else, but at the same time, teaching will help you. And actually this just came to mind. James Quick's slogan, learn, build, teach, fits here so well when you're done learning you you know apply that to a practical application like a project we actually have a whole episode full of like reference projects you can build we'll put that link in the show notes and then you go on to teach it teaching will help you teaching will help others and you're kind of leaving behind nice things for other folks who are kind of just learning after you 
And what that also means is you need to find a medium that you're comfortable in when you teach. If it is person to person conversations, or if you feel better, like recording a video or writing a blog post, you have to find the medium that works for you so that maybe the people who find your content, it'll resonate with them. And, and that change just kind of keeps on going. This is how knowledge is passed down through human history, apparently through, you know, videos and blogs nowadays. Yes, just like the olden days with the great vloggers, Aristotle, Socrates. <laughs> so on that note, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Web Dev Weekly, where you can find out more about Aristotle's hot new vlogs. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes. We also have a Discord community. The link will be in the show notes as well. See you next week.